Well, good morning. Our Advent candle this week is the joy candle. And some of us, probably most of us who are 10 or 12 years old or, or younger, really feel joyful at this time of year. Right? There's all that anticipation. Um, many of us who are grown-ups might have trouble feeling joyful. There's often a lot of stress one week before Christmas. Husbands, you've got one week. That's plenty of time, I understand. I'm used to shopping on the 23rd, the 24th. But that's sometimes associated with stress. There's the stress of having family over. There's the stress of going to be with family. There's the stress of, is that person going to be there? I don't really want to go if that person's going to be there. There might be stress this year because we can't celebrate like we did in years past. The paycheck just isn't going quite as far this year. There may be new wounds. We might have lost someone this year. There may be old wounds that keep getting remembered at the holidays. Okay, those of you who have lost someone near to you, you know the holidays can be very difficult and not always joyful. So today I'd like to talk about, well, first off, why joy is one of our themes in Advent. Secondly, just what biblical joy is. It's not the same thing as happiness. And then finally, the takeaway message, where can we find joy? Where do Christians find joy, even in Christmas? So first, why is joy a part of Advent? Well, uh, Melissa read it. I will read it again. And in my mind's ear, I always hear Linus Van Pelt. And in the same region, there were shepherds in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So the angels told the shepherds that this is a joyful thing. But when we think about the Advent candle, this comes to us from Roman Catholic tradition. And in Roman Catholic tradition, the joy candle is the third Sunday of Advent, not the fourth as we're doing it. And you may be familiar with some Advent candles that have a different colored candle. One of them is pink. That's the joy candle. We don't have a pink candle, so I wore a pink shirt today. It is the Joy Sunday in Roman Catholic tradition because their epistle reading is from, begins with Philippians 4.4, 4, which begins, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Okay. Well, why? Gib hinted at it a little bit. Melissa did as well. First, I think we have to think about just what is biblical joy. Right, so if you look through the Bible at the different times and places that the word joy is used. Most of the time it's used in the same sense that we normally use it. It's extreme happiness. It's woohoo. That's not always it though. If we look at Nehemiah chapter eight, we read, 
Now, I've got to set the context for this. They, th- these are Jews who had been in captivity in Babylon for 70 years. They've come back. The city is, has been destroyed. It's been burnt. The walls have been torn down. This small group comes back. Most of their brethren, most of their fellow Israelites stayed in Babylon. The small group that came back to Jerusalem rebuilt the wall. They rebuilt the wall with a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other because they were, there were people that didn't want them to rebuild the city. They read from God's word, which they hadn't been doing. And when they read it, they were convicted. So Nehemiah chapter 8, beginning at verse 8, they read from the book, from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Well, this tells us that in the, more, in, in the middle of mourning and grieving, we can have joy. And many of us are in that position today. We read in Hebrews chapter 12, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So for Jesus, the joy wasn't simply in the midst of suffering, but it was because of what lay before him. We as Christians have that hope. We heard about it at the first week of Advent when, uh, when Scott talked about hope. We've been hearing about it every week. We need, one of the things we need to do is to remember that hope, and it can be very easy to forget. But, but what exactly is that hope? Okay, Jesus had this hope. Do I have the same hope? Well, not exactly. But it's similar. My hope, if, I'll read from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, right? We hear this at weddings all the time. Toward the end of that chapter, we read, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. The hope, the joy that's set before us is that we're going to be able to see God. We can't see him face to face right now because our sin gets in the way. And bringing our sin into the presence of God, that would just destroy us. But there will come a day when we'll be changed and we'll be able to look him in the eye. That should bring us joy, even in the midst of our suffering. 
Another aspect of this, Jesus talked about joy in, in many places. I'll read from John chapter 16. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, is this what you're asking yourselves? What I meant by saying a little while and you will not see me and again a little while and you will see me? Truly, truly I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. If our joy depended on our present circumstances, it would be easy for someone to take our joy. Right? Change the circumstances, and the joy is gone. And that's worldly joy. I was happy yesterday. Today I'm bummed out because I'm hungry. Because somebody said something mean to me. Because somebody near to me died. Our joy can't be taken from us because our hope can't be taken from us. I like the way that David Guzik said it. He said, joy is an abiding sense of optimism and cheerfulness based on God as opposed to happiness, which is a sense of optimism and cheerfulness based on circumstances. God doesn't change. If he's the source of our joy, our joy doesn't change. It can't be taken from us. Well, that sounds good in theory, right? How do we actually put that into practice? How can we find joy in the middle of Christmas this year? Well, back again to hope. Remember, one of the things that Scott told us during Hope Sunday was that there is no lasting joy without salvation. John wrote in 1 John, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Dave Shoemaker talked about having peace with God. So if you're here and you're not a believer yet, this is where you need to start. You can't have the joy of knowing God without knowing him. And you can't have that with your sin getting in the way. If you are a believer, think back on that time. Take a moment now, and, and, and some of you I know were saved as children, and, and it, it's, it's not a very clear memory. I was 34 years old when I got saved. I can remember vividly the moment when I surrendered my life to Jesus, the moment when I admitted, God, you're right, I'm a sinner, and I can't pay for my sin. I was overwhelmed with the sense of the enormity of my sin. Like, I could never, ever pay for this. I had offended a holy God so consistently in so many different ways. And I deserved death a thousand times. And it was all forgiven. There was nothing I could do. But he forgave me. That gives me a, an abiding sense of joy. You can't always tell it 
from looking at me, Carol says, I have a resting bogan face. Some of you get that. But as believers, we need to remember that. When we do, when we are walking in the Spirit, Paul wrote that we could tell we are walking in the Spirit. In Galatians 5, a little more context. In Galatians 5, Paul contrasts walking in the flesh with walking in the Spirit. says, And the obvious question is, well, how do I know whether I'm walking in one or the other? He says, well, the deeds of the flesh are obvious. And he goes down a long list. They're ugly things. And he says, but the fruit of the Spirit, in contrast, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. If we're walking in the Spirit as believers, that will be characterized by joy. Because we'll be assured of our salvation. We'll be assured of our hope that we can look forward to. And because we'll have fellowship with God in this world. And, and here's the, if, if you take away one thing today, the secret of Christian joy is that it's fellowship with God. We need to be saved to have that fellowship with God. If you're not a believer, that's where you need to start. If you are a believer, remember this, you can have fellowship with the creator of the universe. That should blow your minds. Think about the person you really... God knows me. He knows my sin better than I know it. And yet I can have fellowship with him. So how do we have fellowship with him? Right? That, that's, it, it sounds really nice, but it's kind of an abstract concept. How do I put that into practice? I might not always feel like I'm in fellowship with God. Well... There are three things. I like three item lists. I can remember three things. If Carol sends me to the store for four things, I have to write it down. I know I'll forget. Three things I can handle. So Christian joy, fellowship with God. How are we going to find that fellowship with God? We find it in prayer, in study, and in action. Okay, prayer is not saying prayers. I grew up Roman Catholic. We said prayers. Here's the prayer, memorize it, repeat it. That's not fellowship with God. Right? Christian prayer, we, we look at Jesus modeling it. It's just talking to God and then listening. It's spending time with him. How do we listen to God? How do we hear God? Well, for me, for most of us, I think, we hear God most often when we're in his word. So the next aspect of fellowship with God for a Christian is study, Bible study. How do I do that? I read my Bible. Uh, Some of it makes sense. Some of it not so much. Get in a small group Bible study. We have here small churches meeting at 9 o'clock or 9.15 if you're a little late. Um, We have life groups. If you're not in a life group and you want to get involved with one, 
Come and see somebody up front here at the end of the service. We would love to get you involved. There are other Bible studies as well. Uh, In Midland, we have Bible study fellowship, um, community Bible study. We also have various small group men's and women's studies. Find one, get involved. If you want to do this and you don't know how, again, come and talk to one of us at the end of the service. We would love to help you do that because there is nothing like going through the Bible with someone who's already gone through it and can help you understand. When I became a believer, I was not in a strong church, but I, it, I, was in, I lived in the Philadelphia area. In Philadelphia, they have a radio station that plays Bible teaching all morning, every day. And I got to listen to Bible teaching. It was like sitting in a small group, except that I didn't get to ask questions. The benefit of being in a small group Bible study is is now you can ask questions. And you can hear different perspectives from other people in your group. And I'm telling you, you will hear from God. The final way is action. And what does that mean? That means Christian service. In, uh, back in October, teaching in Ephesians 3, Dave told us, you will never experience God's joy in the way you will if you engage and jump into your local church. This church is still large enough that people come here sometimes and say, you know, I just don't know how to get in involved. There's so many people. I don't know how to make friends. I am here to tell you, no church is so large that you can't get into community. And the best way to do that is to volunteer. Say, hey, I want to help out. I'm part of this church now. Put me to work. Where can I go? Maybe you have a special skill. That's great. Say, hey, I would like, I think I can do this well. I think I like to work with youth or I think I like to work with old people or I think I like to work with whatever it is. I think I like to sweep floors. Even if you don't have a particular skill, if you don't think you have a particular skill, there are things you can do here for which no experience is needed and no particular skill is needed. We need greeters. We need ushers, right? What skill do you need to do that? You need to be able to smile. Okay, maybe I'm disqualified. You need to be able to smile and talk to people. It's not hard. We need children's ministry classroom assistance. You don't have to go and lead. But we do need people to be there just to help out. To be a second pair of eyes. To pick a kid up when he runs into a wall and dust him off and tell him he'll be okay. This happened last week in my classroom. Even our tech team needs people that don't necessarily have skills. They'll teach you, but you can start out rolling up cables, sorting batteries. I mean, there are a a lot of different ways that you can get involved. So the added benefit here is that both Bible study and Christian service will bring you into community. In our present culture, community can be difficult to find, right? We're all busy. 
We jump in our cars and we drive away. A lot of us don't even know our neighbors. We're searching for that community. COVID sure didn't help. Isolating everyone. Come here. Get in a Bible study. Volunteer someplace. The, again, in a big church, you want to get to know people. You volunteer and suddenly the people you're volunteering alongside become your community. They become your group of friends. Uh, an excellent example here in this church is the worship team, worship and tech together, right? They are volunteering together and they wind up being their own little faith community. So, again, if you're not a believer, you don't have any of this stuff to look forward to. Your first step that you need to get right with God. You need to have your sin dealt with. The only requirement is that you be a sinner. I qualify. And so do you. Confess your sins and Jesus is faithful to forgive them. Confess doesn't mean just you tell somebody. It has the idea of agreeing with God. Carol says, I won't let her get a tattoo. She says, if I go first, first place she's going to go, maybe not the first place, maybe it's skydiving first, but she's going to go and get a tattoo and it's going to say, agree with God. Because that's really what we need to do. Some of you have heard this story before. Our son was very rebellious as a child. And oftentimes when he was being punished, he would look at me and say, Daddy, when do I get to make the rules? It only seemed fair to him. I made the rules most of the time. He should get a day or two. When I sin, that's what I'm saying to God. I don't like your rules, God. I want to make the rules. When we get saved, it's because we have said, God, you're God. You get to make the rules. What I've done broke your rules, offended your holy sense of righteousness, And there's nothing I can do about it. And he says, that's right. That's why I sent Jesus. We agree with him on that. We buy into that. We accept that Jesus had to die for my sins. I've had people tell me, "Uh, no, I'll deal with my, I'll pay for my own sins. Thank you. I don't need Jesus. No, you can't pay for your own sins. Let him pay Submit, that's the S word. Submit your will to his. And it's paid. It's done. He said on the cross when he said it is finished, you could translate that paid in full. It's done. Most of us, I I presume here, we've made that transaction Ask somebody, if you came here with somebody, ask the person who brought you. Is that really true? Is it that simple? It is. So you're not already a believer. Get saved. If you are a believer and you're looking for joy, you're looking for community, get engaged. It seems a little scary at first. I promise you nobody here is going to bite. Nobody here is going to laugh at you because you don't know how to do something. 
It's really a pretty nice group of people. So, I told you about joy. I've told you how to find joy. As the musicians are coming up, I'm going to light our joy candle and ask you to pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you for giving us joy. Lord, in this broken world, you know it can be so difficult for us to find it. Lord, I ask for everyone here who doesn't know you, who doesn't know the joy of fellowship with you, that you would work in their hearts even now. That you would call them into your kingdom and make them your own. Lord, for everyone here who belongs to you already, I ask that you would renew a sense of of the wonder, of the gratitude of having our sins forgiven. And that you would bring each of our wills into conformance with yours, that we would walk in the good works that you've already planned out for us. And we would know the joy that comes from walking in your will. Lord, I believe that that is your will, that we would do the things that you have planned for us. You told us in your word that you will give us those things when we pray in accordance with your will. Lord, we believe that will honor you and glorify you. We want to bring you honor and glory. And so we pray in your name. Amen.